I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. They want benign indifference. They want us drugged. We could be pets. We could be food. But all we really are is livestock. There are, of course, those who do not want us to speak. The world needs a wake-up call. We're going to phone it in. to the great deception podcast i'm your host matt and tonight i am honored to have one of my instagram friends now uh, one of the gems i should say of instagram you know you you come across these people every now and then and you know you're clicking through pages all the time but this guy i heard him on my buddy nico's podcast the uh, upstate unconventional and they got into some great deep talks. And so I started following him on Instagram. And uh, and from there, man, I have been blown away in the last few weeks. He is a, you know, when you use the term legend as as a guide sense, right? I'm not, you know, I'm not going to put you up on the pedestal. But as a guide, this guy is great. His name is Mr. Tarrant Firestride on Instagram. And I like the play right there because the the, the Mad Hatter, you know, is, is, is the male protagonist, right? And he's the one that kind of pushes the story forward. And, and you know what, I, I, Tara, I really think you're doing that these days and, and, and welcome to the podcast, man. I really appreciate your words. I'm humbled. Um, I just, uh, the Mad Hatter is the only one who never leaves, you know, he lives down the rabbit hole and, um, he's the one that's there. That's always ready with, with the net. There's always a deeper level, you know? Um, and I try to be the guy with, with what's on the other side of the the next curtain. You know, there's always a curtain past that, but there's, there's the dude who's always ready to take you a little bit deeper. And I like to shatter paradigms, man. That's who I am is I take the, the comfy, cozy little realities that we have built for ourselves. And I try to destroy those so that we can create new ones. And, uh, I feel like we do our best work when we're outside of our comfort zone and, uh, you know, I'm big on people taking control and responsibility um, for the way that things are and teaching them how to change them. Uh, if they don't, I think that we all have the tools to uh, make this place what we want. And um, I think a big part of being able to do that is understanding what this place is and what it's not. Um, so I just try to expose layers and, um, chart new courses you know we get so stuck inside um what is normal and what is comfortable and i think we rob ourselves um so just getting people to step outside that and uh, we all have the tools so it's just if i can show people how to pick those up and and start to use them it's crazy what people can accomplish as soon as they realize that they have control of this experience and so and that's um, the thing right people have been have been so conditioned 
to try and fit in the box, right? Yeah. And 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 do be normal. And one of the things that I love about this time and, and I love about the work that you do is it yours is be yourself. Absolutely. You know, you, Unapologetically. You know, exactly. And, and the other day you had one of the best po- uh, posts and it was uh, about the three words, right? And you said, yes, you said, compliance is your consent and your consent makes you complicit. Absolutely. And that statement right there is so powerful, true, spot on that, you know, I, I, I want you to expand a little on that because that that hits home with and it should hit home with a lot of people. My thing is like, it's really easy to sit here and complain about the way that things are. Right. Um, and we can play this victim game where it's his fault or it's his fault or it's his fault or it's everybody's fault. Right. But um, we still bend and we still compromise and we still do things that we know aren't ourselves to try to appease other people. And then we complain about the result of this appeasing and this apathy that is being sold, whether it's through pop culture or the news or, you know, I, I don't know how professional athletes turned into people we're supposed to listen to about how to run our lives, you know, and the, the idol worship that takes place in our society just blows me away. Um, but we make excuses for each other and we make excuses for ourselves. And what got us here is complacency and the fact that we complied with things that we would, we wouldn't have, we, we wouldn't do outside of this set of circumstances, you know, and we complied a little here and we complied a little there. And, you know, I try really hard to not get into specifics on social media because I've lost a couple of pages. Um, but it can be about your health or it can be about what you're putting on your face or not putting on your face. Um, but it starts with, with one little thing, you know, and if we, I, I told people a long time ago to draw your line in the sand, right. And whatever that line is for you, draw it, you know, it doesn't have to be the same as anybody else's line, but once that line is drawn, you have to stick to that because if you don't draw a line, you're going to keep moving the goal, right. And you're going to make excuses for these people and make excuses for yourself to try to operate inside this comfort zone that you've created for yourself. And so when we step outside or when we won't step outside of that, right. And we, we compromise and we comply with things, um, that's, that's our consent. We're consenting, um, to, to do these things that we don't want to do or that we don't agree with, uh, to try and create this sense of, um, what is it? Admiration or acceptance or normalcy or whatever it is. Uh, we can make excuses about uh, federal reserve banknotes. I won't call it money because money's backed by something. Um, and that's not what we're talking about here, you know? Um, but we, we compromise and once we have, given our consent to something and we've forgotten who we are and what we are and we're doing something that's not us at that point we're complicit i i i believe that we're at a point in history right now where there's no neutral right there's no stagnant you're either going forward or you're going backwards you're either part of the problem or you're part of the solution um and if you're just sitting there complacently and 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 doing what you're told then unfortunately you're part of the problem and my uh my intention with this post was to get people to realize that like we have say over we have we we dictate this experience in in every sense of that statement and whether it's um what we pay our attention to because that's currency or what we give our energy to or where we go and vote with our dollars it's we are 
making all of this okay. And the facts are, if everybody would have said no a year and a half ago, you know, uh, we wouldn't be here. Right. But we, we made compromises and we complied a little bit here and we complied a little bit here and we complied a little bit here and we offered our consent over and over again. And we are complicit for where we're at right now. And until we can realize that and until we can start voting with our consent and stop complying with things that we don't agree with, we're going to stay in this situation. You know, I say all the time that the fastest route through all of this is peaceful noncompliance. You know, I'm not asking anybody to do anything rash or, or radical. I'm just saying, if you don't believe in something, then don't do it, you know, and stand just, your ground. Right. Like you said, right. draw that line. And, and, and when you give compliance beyond that line, think of it as backpedaling. Right. And eventually right. you're going to back yourself against the wall. And once you get to the wall, there are no options. You have lost any ability to make any choices. And exactly. now you are at the mercy of who has been making you comply, right? And it's a little bit at a time. They're really good at this, this trickle down thing where it's like, they'll just give up a little bit and they'll justify it with something else. Or they'll say that it's for the good of the, for the somebody that's not you sacrifice a little bit of yourself to make somebody else happy, you know, and it's a little bit more and it's a little bit more and then it's a little bit more. And you're all of a sudden you're like, dude, how did we get here? You know, and how we got here is because we complied. It's just two weeks, right? It's just a mask. You hear all these things. It's just, well, to some people, yes, it is just, but to others, that's where they draw the line, right? Because the example that I, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. I was just going to say the example that I like to use is the shoes at the airport, right? After 9-11, it was like, you just have to take your shoes off for a couple of weeks, Right. Not that that's a huge deal because it's not a huge deal, but it was just for a couple weeks, you know, and the last time I checked 20 years later, we're still taking our shoes off at the airport. You know, one of my favorite quotes is there's nothing more temporary or more more permanent than a temporary government protocol. Do they, they never go back. Right. Once you, once they take something from you, especially when it it, is, it's either freedom money related, it's not coming back. It's over. Yeah. And it's only going to, they're going to keep pushing forward until like you said, they reach resistance. And until they reach any sort of resistance whatsoever, they're just going to keep pushing because that just means more power, more money for them. And my line doesn't have to be your line, doesn't have to be anybody else's line. My message is just pick a line, right? Decide who you are, decide what matters to you and stick to that line. And, and Tony Robbins says, you know, to change your life, all you got to do is change your standards. And, and one reason I like to bring that up is because a standard doesn't move. It doesn't change. It just is right. And whatever it takes for you to attain or maintain that standard, they are just details and the details don't matter because you're not going to bend. You're not going to break that. Those are your standards. You are not going to allow this to happen to you. And so until you can treat your whole life like that, you're going to get walked over, whether it's by the federal government or the people at your job or your family, you know, that there's always someone who is going to feed off of you and feed off of whether it's your kindness or your apathy or whatever they're going after, right? You're either food or you're either eating or you're being eaten, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, And so it's just, you have to think about what matters to you and, and, and not today, right? But every day. And, and what you are willing to do to, to uphold that. Right. And it it gets to a point where there isn't questions or there isn't, um, there's, they, it just is, you know, and, and whatever, whatever it takes for you to maintain that truth or that comfort or that stability 
is going to happen, right? And everything else is just details. And so that's what I try to get people to realize is that all of that is just details. That person pointing at you or yelling at you is just details, or you not being in this popular crowd anymore is just details. It's just a side effect that um, it's part of the game, man. And the alienation to me and this experience is so important because I think that until you can be enough for yourself and be able to your validation until your validation is enough for you. Um, you can't do anything here. If you're constantly trying to win their approval, the approval of someone else or the acceptance into some club, then you don't get to be you. And if you can't be you, then you can't be effective here in this experience. And that's one of the things I've tried to stress in, in the few episodes on my podcast is everyone is on their own experience. It's your own journey. So you're at different levels and what right. we have to be respectful of is not everyone is on the same level as you exactly. and you're not on the same level as everyone else. So you may run into somebody who's at a higher level than you and you don't know what to do. So when you come across other people who are struggling, try to support them, right? Try Absolutely. to try to try to be that guide, that legend for them to just direct them in a manner or put a thought in their head to help them be able to understand this better and take that stand. Right. Because I do, I feel like the, the, so many people are living in like Stockholm syndrome right now and, and have been so inundated with fear that they've lost the ability to stand for themselves. They've just been beaten down to a point where they're like, okay, I just want it to stop. I'll do right. anything. And, and I'm glad that you brought this up. Um, it's because we're back to boxes now right? They've created so many little boxes that all these people have to fit inside. And they've told you that this box doesn't agree with this box and this box doesn't agree with this box. And they've figured out how to separate you with all these separate subcategories, right? And you feel like you're alone. And, and I think that's how they get you is they create this sense of fear and this sense of loneliness by, and whether they're going to separate you however they can, whether it's with your gender or with your race or with your, your uh, form of spirituality, they're going to separate you as many ways as they can and try to tell you that since you're this, you can't be this and you can't get along with this. And, uh, and so we're basically forced to walk this plane alone. And until you can be okay with that or learn how to love people through these differences and outside these boxes and cross these lines, then you're in a lot of trouble. And that's the key right there is that love, man. That's one of the things that along this journey, and and I'm fresh and new to the whole spiritual journey. I just started getting into it last year. So I'm a, I'm a rookie. I'm, I'm low, man, on this. But the one thing I found is that once you start looking at two things, one is look at the world as, as abundant, right? right. It, it will provide. And, and two is love. If you right. can, if you can, ma- you know, get those two concepts anchored in yourself and live through those life changes drastically. They want you to live in fear and scarcity, right? Right. And it's the exact opposite. We get back to that inversion. They love to invert things and, and make you believe that it's one way when it's really another. And well, they're very polarizing with everything that they do. They try to split everyone into two camps, whether it's left or right or, you know, and it's divide and conquer. We've, we've done this for 2000 or for, for thousands of years. You know, yep. this is a, a ancient battle tactic as you split them up and they're easier to attack. Um, it, or, you, or you just let them fight themselves, right? Well, like what's right. going on right now. They don't really have to do much. They just throw something out there, throw some meat out there and we just attack each other. 
And, exactly. and that, you know, they just sit up there in those glass houses and, and laugh basically at what we're doing. And, you know, like you said, until we can come to some sort of collective consciousness again, and that's, you know, we're far from that right now, but that's the only way it's going to solve it is coming together and rising together because well, at, at the level and the frequency that we're at right now, we're going nowhere, you know, as a, as a whole. And the problem is people don't understand that every, you know, it, it, this is an experience and every aspect of this experience is engineered, right? By somebody that doesn't care about you, whether it's the music that you're listening to or the movies that you're watching or the news that you're tuned into or what you're watching on the black box, the magic box, it's on the wall, you know, and they're not even hiding that from you. The thing is called a television, right? Yeah. It's telling you a vision and what you're watching on this thing that's telling you a vision is called programming. And it's behind right? a screen, right? right? A blockage. Right. And so they, and people talk about culture all the time. This is a word that I can't stand, man. I tell people all the time, culture is not your friend, right? Cultures are what you put in a, in a, a Petri dish during an experiment, right? And culture is designed in a think tank. Sam Tripoli talks about this a lot. Culture is designed by people that don't care about you and it's implemented and you're expected to act, act this way, whether, it, whether it's uh, any, any culture, right? If this is Irish culture, or this is American culture, or this is, this is what you're supposed to do. Americans sit down and they watch baseball on Saturdays. You know, this is American culture. And what people do is they feel like, well, I need to fit into this box because that's who I am. So this is my identity. So that's what I have to do. Right. And you have all these cultures clashing with with each other, which is also implemented, you know, Every fashion, yeah, every fashion statement that you've ever seen, you know, we think that these celebrities have these great fashion senses, you know, and it's all of this is implemented and handed down and it's all symbolic and uh, your your episode about uh, Disney and a lot of the stuff that happens um, behind the scenes on that it was very illuminating and it's it's in everything and it starts when we're little right it's it's everything, everything that we are tuned into and stuff that we're just programmed to let slide. Like a, a lot of the stuff that we see in these movies is absolutely terrible, absolutely terrible. But it's like, no, that's what kids watch. So that's what we're going to put our kids through. And then we end up with all these damaged children. Right. And then you find out that the people that are making these movies are not who you thought they were. Right. And they're practicing this stuff that a lot of us don't understand. And one of the main parts of my message as far as, because what got me started on this path was crystals, right? And this is what I like to talk about a lot is crystals and energy and frequency and manifestation. And we're taught that that's bad. I was raised Christian, right? Like really Christian. And that was not acceptable for us to understand. We, we didn't mess with crystals. That was like new agey, funky stuff. And taboo, I remember, right? Yeah. yeah you don't super touch taboo. Them. And I remember researching this and I'm like, wait, so I can prove that these Moldavite statues were found from 25,000 years ago, these fertility statues. Right. And this, this Christianity thing that I've been taught is, you know, two, 2000 years old. And, and we're calling this crystal stuff, new age, right? Like I had this whole picture painted for me that and I was told not to go look at this don't question this and don't go look anywhere else or else uh, you're this or you're that and I was literally afraid of being smited for most of my childhood for looking at anything outside of what I was handed every time I questioned something it was a problem and so I like to take words you know you talked a little bit about it before with uh with with Micah was the word occult does not mean 
uh, dark or, or evil, you know, or blasphemy. It just means hidden or misunderstood, right? Or understood by the few. And I'm an alchemist, right? And I try and turn everything in my life into alchemy. And you know, right? Some of your listeners might not, but you know that everything I approach, I approach from a place of love and with a vibration of love, right? And we're taught that alchemy is like this fringe, this dark, like uh, scary, uh, almost like devil worship or something, you know? And it's, it's all about transmutation and turning something that's less favorable or unfavorable into something favorable and usable. And if that's against the rules, then what are we doing? And it, and it also has to do with your intentions too. Exactly. That's the other thing. And, and, and uh, I, I definitely want to go a little deeper on the crystals with you because I am fascinated by that and know little to nothing. So, Absolutely. Um, but along that lines, one of the things I find comical with their way they run things is, is notice the things that they mark as taboo, bad, or, you know, nonsense are all the things that really can better our lives. Absolutely. And they're naturally abundant. And that's what, that's what blows my mind between, you know, uh, naturopathy, medicine, between the crystals, yoga, you know, any, any sort of breathing, anything like that was, was labeled as, you know, kind of woo woo or, you know, ah, it's just fringe. And and the more I, you know, I get into it and, and again, I'm, I'm just hitting the surface of it. It's life changing. It's life altering and life improving in a way that I could never have imagined. Well, and it empowers the self is the problem, you know, as opposed to empowering uh, the one or the greater good. It's it's empowerment of self. And that's an issue for the people that are in in control of this place, because once you can empower yourself and then find other people that know how to empower themselves and empower that self, that collective self now their control structure is gone, you know, and you said it, it's intention is what matters, whether it's with alchemy or whether it's with magic in general, you know, these things aren't good or bad. They just are right. Right. It's, it's like a pencil. If I write you a love note with a pencil and I say, I love you and you're beautiful, then this is a good thing. Now, if I decide to turn that thing around and bury it in somebody, then it's a bad thing. Right. But that's not the pencil. The pencil isn't mean it's the person that's wielding the pencil. Right. Yeah. And so I would argue that there are two things in this world that matter, right? Intention and perspective or perception, right? So it, it, whatever the action or the item is, right? The intention that's associated with that, okay? And then the way that that action or that item is perceived, right? Because that's what good or bad or non-existent. These are varying degrees of the same thing. It's just like hot or cold. Like at what temperature does hot water become cold or cold water become hot, right? There's no, there's no line there. What, what, changes is the way that you perceive that when you stick your hand in the water right and if you come out of 100 degree water and you stick your hand in 80 degree water it's going to feel cold but if you come out of 60 degree water and you stick your hand in that same 80 degree water it's going to feel warm right so the water isn't cold or warm it's it's you and the perspective that you have attained through whatever path you've walked right and how you perceive whatever that is and so we get so hung up. I mean, it's an example that people try to use with guns all the time. Like guns don't shoot people. People shoot people with guns, you know, um, the magic or alchemy or anything is the exact same way. It's, it's, it's the intention of the person that wields it. Right. And, and how that intention is perceived. And outside of that, everything is just opinion. Right. And you could even argue that that perspective or the way that that's perceived is an opinion. So really you could argue that all that matters is the intention that's associated with whatever action you're performing. 
Yeah, and that ties directly to what you said before about the whole Disney thing. And, right. and you know, getting back to their subliminal programming and, and what they do, it's the intention with which they do it, right? They're putting right. out a story to make money, obviously, but there's a hidden intention in there to get at a message to the kids. And intention is very powerful. And and it is, it is, and and the on the other side of it, the perspective is huge too, because like we just talked about, people are coming from different areas. They're coming right. from a different angle or a different view of things. So we're not all approaching things the same. And I saw a great meme today that, you know, it's the first time in a long time where you can be standing next to someone and be in two totally different worlds, you know, and, and, and it's all. Now you're talking allegory of the cave. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. What, what I see is not necessarily what you may see. And one thing that hermeticism teaches is that truth is subjective, right? It says that all truths are but half truths, you know, and that is something that, that hit home for me so hard because you can be telling the truth, right? And I can be telling my truth and we can be saying two different things, right? But neither one of us are lying, right? And which one is true? Yeah. Right. Uh, and, and a person can sit there and go, well, he's right or he's right, but that's just an opinion. And that person's opinion is only based on that person's perspective. Right. And that person's perspective is based on whatever path they've walked. And so it's like when you're talking about, you get to people that are on different levels than you, there are people that you can hand information to or facts to, or numbers to, or statistics to, and they're not going to hear you right? Because they're not on the same planet that you are. They're not walking the same plane that you are. They can look at the same numbers and come to a completely different truth based on whatever perspective they have, they have formed. And this is why I am the hatter, right? Because I shatter, I shatter those things. Like I just, I'm going to take your paradigm and this cozy little reality that you have, and I'm just going to shatter it, right? So that you can realize that every truth you ever thought you had is just a half truth, right? And it's just based on something that was given to you. And unfortunately, most of the perspective that we have is something that was handed to us by our parents, right? And our parents had those perspectives handed to them by their parents and their parents had their perspective handed to them by their parents, you know, and so on and so forth. So you're, we're having 200 year old or 300 year old information regurgitated to us because that's what our parents, that's what our grandfathers, grandfathers, grandfathers told them was right. And we're living our life based on a reality that doesn't even exist anymore. Right. And so until we can step back and look at things objectively, which is incredibly difficult. I'm not saying that's easy because objective truth, is, uh, that might be one of the most humbling experiences that someone can have is their first taste of, of objective truth. And it's like, man, this is not what I wanted to find. Yeah, you know, because when you're it's, it's, it's a lot easier to blame others for your right. problems right. when in reality, the root of all your problems is yourself. Exactly. And we talked about in the, in the video that I made the other day, it's like, if you want to be tuned into this chaos, this viral, this, this, this outbreak, right? If, if you want to accept that, then that's what you're going to experience. It's there for you to experience, right? All you have to do is accept it as your reality, or you can live outside of that. I don't walk in fear when I go places and I see people sneeze when somebody says, Oh, well, I had some sniffles yesterday. I don't know if you should come around. It's like, dude, I have these crazy things called antibodies right? I drink and eat everything alkaline that I can find because I understand how naturopathic health works. And I'm not going to live in fear from some invisible thing. And as soon as you're afraid of something, your fear is currency, just like your attention is, right? And if you're afraid of something, you're feeding it. And I would argue that the devil that we're introduced to like this, this, this red, 
uh, horned, pointy-tailed thing is what's called an egregore, which is a thought form, right? And a thought form is something that didn't exist until people started believing that it existed. It existed. So an egregore is something that is given life and given power by collective thought, collective belief, and collective fear. So it was this. And once you understand, uh, like sigil magic and you realize that every corporate logo that you've ever seen before in your life is a sigil that somebody charged and somebody activated and we're feeding that with our dollars and we're feeding that with our intention and everything so these things are very real the fact that we don't understand them doesn't make them any less real because the people who control this place do understand them and they're and and, and they're real to them and we give our attention and we give our intention and we give our fear to these things and we make them we perpetuate the reality of these things. And so when we fear something, it's the, the people who control this place will plant seeds and whether that's in your movies or whether that's on the news or or they, they have a multitude of ways to do this. Right. But they will plant these seeds and then they'll teach us to be afraid of them. Right. And the more of us that fear them, the bigger that seed grows. And before you know it, this thing is controlling our whole lives. And all it was was this little seed that somebody planted. And they went, Hey, I guess this, I bet this will scare them really good. You know, is how all that starts. Yeah. It's, it sounds like aliens to me. But, but now we have to define the word alien. You know, no, no, I'm just saying, right. like, one of, that's one of those boogeymen, right? That yeah. somebody created. Exactly. And, and it's taken a life of its own. And the energy that people collectively have put into it yeah. have manifested it into something much greater than it ever was originally. Right. And now it's dictating every aspect of our life, right? It started out as this thing that we were a little bit scared of, right? Like, oh, maybe we'll wash our hands an extra time or, oh, well, maybe we'll, maybe we'll stay away from these people, you know? And when you realize that, you know, the satanic rituals that involve standing six feet apart and wearing masks and we're, but then, and now we're back to your compliance is consent is your complicity, right? So we're complying with this and consenting. And now we're complicit in this mass ritual, even though we don't understand what we're doing. And the thing that gets me with that is, is now you see the FDA or CDC, whoever it is saying, come out, ah, we just came up with the six foot rule arbitrarily. Well, no, you didn't. A, A, like you said, it has a ton of satanic, you know, usage. And it just so happens that the heart's toroidal field is, is six feet. Right. right. And, well, so and the, nothing that these people do is arbitrarily. Oh, right? Exactly. Nothing. No Everything they do is calculated. Man. Once you understand the English language and the word magic that's at play in the English language. And this is something that I, I just got Nico on this word magic thing. Um, and the English language is weaponized. Right. It's it's. Um, it's a language of magic. First of all, it's a language and that's how we're taught to curse each other. You know, like how did we get to a point where we say good morning to everybody and we think we're being played, but it's like, really, what are we mourning? Yep. You know, you're like, starting off with a dark omen. Yeah, exactly. Or your, your weekdays. We're walking through the week through our life in a weekdays, right? Weekdays. Yep. And, and so we have to take the, the, these words and dissect them and figure out what we're really saying to each other. Because the fact is like, we're taught that swear words or bad words are, we're cursing each other. Right. But what's cursing us is the fact that we're using these these words that we don't understand on each other constantly. We're not taught how powerful our words are. Right. So, and when we use words, it's spelling, right? Yeah, we oh yeah. It, We're rearranging it's... runes, right? A word is not written or read. Yeah. Okay? This is a, a distinction that I try to make all the time. Words are spoken. They're vibrated, right. And they're received. Okay. So as soon as you write something down, it's no longer a word. What we're arranging is runes. 
Mm-hmm. right? They're, they're runes. We have a 26 rune alphabet. Okay. It's not the same as the Nordic alphabet, which is what we consider runes, but these, these are runes. They're, they're parts of spells that are rearranged and then we vibrate them into existence as words, but we're casting these spells is what we're doing. Yep. And we don't realize the implications of this. And we're taught to like, to call each other these, to call each other idiots or, oh, like you're so dumb, blah, 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 blah. Well, we don't understand the effect that those words actually have. Or when we say, oh, I'm an idiot or I'm this, or like, we don't understand how bad our, 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 uh, exist our our higher self doesn't understand sarcasm right like our 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 body doesn't get that when we talk down on ourselves we're we're lowering ourselves yeah and we're making ourselves less than that's one of the things i've you know as i've gotten into this more and more i've been real careful about using i am or i will or i can't Right. right because that's a very powerful statement that you are throwing out there arbitrarily Abracadabra right. is as I speak, I create, Yeah, you know, now, that's a, what that word means. Yeah. I have a question for you. I noticed on your Instagram, you, instead of I you use E Y E instead of Y O U it's Y E W. What's the, the uh, logic behind that? So the U tree has always been sacred. It was, uh, we made bows with it. We made wands with it. Um, whereas the I and the U have been, they're pointed, right there um and we can get into the whole i am who is i and who is me type thing um but the thing is i do it because i see you right like i this is me this is me my third eye acknowledging your third eye right and uh, james cameron did a really good job with it in the avatar movies like with the whole i see you thing Mm -hmm. right and um it's a it's it's a we the when I say I, it's, it's all of us, it's me and it's you. And it's, it's acknowledging this experience and what it is. And the, the, the dream that, 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 that this really is because that's, that's all this experience is, is something that we're tuned into. This is a movie that we watch, right. And we can be a main character or we can be a supporting character or we can just be somebody in the background. Right. And let, our experience be dictated by somebody else. And so it's, it's also to try to get people to realize that our words are more than we understand. And it's, it's to get people to ask questions like, why do you do that? And this opens the door to etymology. Right. And I can explain that English language is the language of angels. Right. And that, and then we can talk about, you know, what is an angel and how that relates to the word angle and what, all of these, when, when we speak, every word that we speak has been chosen and placed in front of us. And every word that we're taught to speak has been put there targetedly, right? Every aspect of our language has been engineered to, with, without thinking of a better word, enslave us, right? And, and to hold each other down and to literally curse each other um, when we speak. And so I try to get people to realize that your words can be just as empowering as they can be damning, Yes. right? And that we can come at things from a place of you, 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 or we can come at things from a place of, of love, right? And I can say something that you don't like, right? Or that doesn't make you feel good and still say it from a place of love, right? 
Um, and we, what causes us to grow is when we're forced outside of our comfort zone. Yes. And so this is something that I try to do. And I usually try to do that with questions, right? Like I'm not going to hand you a truth. I'm going to ask you questions and have you answer them. And you're going to hand yourself a truth while answering me these questions. If that makes sense. Yeah. Because because then you have to think about it, right? It's not just, I'm not going to give you the information. I will lead you to think about the information. And along the way you will, there you go. That now you'll find it. Exactly. And halfway through that conversation, I'm going to see the facial expression change and there's going to be a blank stare for about four seconds. And then it's going to be like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I see what you're getting at now because some of these questions aren't going to make sense right away. Right. But if we approach things from the same angle and that we're used to approaching them, then we're going to reach the same destination. And so it's just about putting a little speed bump here or a little obstacle that somebody has to go around because there's a lot of really cool stuff that we never would have found if this street wasn't closed. You know, if we didn't have to take a new way into work today because there was a traffic jam, we never would have found this park that was that we drove by on on this alternate route, you know. And I like to say that nothing easy is worth having, right? And that the truth doesn't find you, right? The truth isn't going to come seek you out and be like, hey, it's me. It's the truth. You have to go look for that. And if you're just going to accept these things that are presented to you, whether it's the earth model that we're handed or whether it's the religion that you're handed when you grow up, if you are just going to be stuck inside these boxes that have been created for you, then you're not going to get very far, you know? Yeah. No, and that's that's one of the things I'm I'm big on is I can't believe it unless I've seen it myself with my own two eyes. Right. Then so I what can, can you prove to yourself and and what truth are you going to draw from those proofs? Yep. It's it's what can I see? What do I right. see physically? Anything outside of that is simply a belief. Exactly. Right? It's not a fact. I don't know it. I just believe it because of what I've been led to, to down that road, whether it's through movies, writing, you know, news, reading Based books. on perspective. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's one of the things that I found is quite powerful is is that once you're able to see that and realize that it changes everything. Well, and like history, right? The, the, what can we prove in history, like what do we know for certain? Because most of our, our accepted history is just something that was told to us, right? But when we go back and we look at the text, and this is why I love your posts about the old world, man. It's like, that is history, right? That is provable. That is tangible. There's evidence to that. It, it, not just because somebody told us or because we read it in a book, there's evidence, right? We can, there's, there's tangible, real evidence you know and we're told to ignore that we're yes. told to ignore the, the evidence right and listen to this guy listen to the this narrative guy. i'm right. going to tell you the story and <clears throat> and when you start looking into it the stories are all written by a handful of people right and even they even tell you when they say history it's his story yes right and whose story i want right? our what story. is my story what is my yeah. story my story is a mystery right his story is history my story is a mystery oh, i like that and yeah. so like and what led me to researching tartaria and the old world and ether extraction and all this stuff was crystals i make organite right are you are you familiar with organite I have just, uh, I, I actually watched a podcast the other day and the woman was discussing some of it. So I have a very little knowledge of it, but it's fascinating. 
So Wilhelm Reich was one of Freud's students, right? And he discovered this energy called orgone is what he called it, right? And we, it's, it's known as ether, it's known as chi or ki or mana or prana. These are all words for the same ambient energy that exists on this plane, right? And it's, it's free and it's unlimited and uh, accessing it. Tesla talked about it a lot, right? He called it ether. And so uh, <clears throat> Wilhelm Reich, developed a system and developed technology to harness this orgone and use this orgone, right? And what Reich believed was that orgone energy was ambient sexual energy, okay? So when we experience release during sex, there's, and we can all attest to this, there's an instant uh, change of, of, of psyche. There's an instant change that takes place in your head. Um, and that could be attributed to the release of this sexual energy. Where does this sexual, well, and you know, I'm trying to figure out how to say this without sounding vulgar, but like that stuff builds up and you get, um, you get horny right after a while. And then you, you, you need to experience this release, right. And there, it, it will make you even act like somebody that's not you to be able to facilitate this release. And then as soon as that release is facilitated, bam, you're back to you now. And you're like, man, who was that person? Right. So this is, (laughs) this is, this sexual energy has such a great effect on us as a person, um, which is where like retention comes in and storing that sexual energy and using that. But what we're talking about is once that is released, where does it go and what happens to it? Right. Um, So Reich believed that upon release, it ended up in, in the atmosphere, right? And that this energy could be harnessed using technology, which is what one of the things that Organite does. Um, it also blocks EMF, but I mean, Reich was curing cancer with it. He was changing the weather with it. Uh, he was heavily suppressed, obviously, um, but he invented this thing called the cloud buster where he could <clears throat> produce clouds with orgone energy and all kinds of crazy stuff. But it's very similar. This is what led me to old world tech is I develop devices that draw this energy in from the ether, from the organ, from the atmosphere, draw this energy in and increase the concentration in whatever area this device is operating in. And so the more of this energy that you can draw into your space, the more you're going to be affected by it. And so he developed what was called an orgone accumulator. And he would put these people that were just riddled with cancer in this box and it would eat the cancer. Right. Which is one of the big reasons that he was suppressed is we all know how much money there is. in. I mean, there's no money in a cure for cancer, right? We need cancer treatment. We got to keep people as sick as possible for as long as possible. And that's the successful business model. Um, that's so the just Rockefeller like, medicine, right? Exactly. Well, and then yep. you talk about between 1910 and 1920, the, the Rockefellers and the Rothschilds took over the medical industry, the pharmaceutical companies. They took over the medical schools. They took over the education system, right? They had already taken over the oil and they took over the food, Yep. right? So now they dictate everything and we're engineered to be as sick as possible without dying. Yes. Right. And that's what everything is, whether it's our food or whether it's our water. I talk fluoride is another thing that I talk about all the time. Well, Um, and you look in the grocery stores, right. And, and 90% of that food wasn't around 40 years ago. And 90% of that food is illegal in other countries. Yeah. Right. You know, and we're taught to fear Russia that, that, that Putin's this monster. Right. But he outlawed GMOs. Yes. He said they're poison. 
right? I'm not going to feed my people poison. It doesn't matter what the cost of food is. It doesn't matter that they grow faster. It doesn't matter that they grow bigger. It's poison. I'm not feeding it to my people, you know? So it's in everything that we eat. How much does it cost to eat organic, right? Or organic and gluten-free? Like, why is it so expensive to be healthy? And we have to understand that the same people that are selling us this garbage food are the same people that are setting the prices in the stores and the same people that are taxing the farms that aren't using the GMOs and the same people that are, you know, it's all of this experience. Now we're back to, this is all engineered, right? Every aspect of it. And it's the, the, the collective feeding 1% of 1%. And we know that we're feeding them with our money, right? And we know that we're feeding them with our time. I think what people fail to realize is we're feeding them with our energy and with our fear and with our attention and with all these other forms of currency. And we're taught that what currency is, 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 banknotes right but currency right is two words you've got current and you've got c the current is the flow of energy through a body of water right and a c is a a vast area basically right so now we're talking about the flow of energy across this plane right or in this fishbowl that we're in okay and so all currency is is a is a gift card for somebody else's energy and a way to transfer that Okay. And so uh, an example that I like to use that I, I, people just don't see is like gold is not expensive because it's pretty and you're not buying the gold, right? You're buying the energy that it requires to acquire the gold. Okay. You're buying the guy with the wheelbarrow and the pitchfork that goes up there and beats it out of the earth and then smelts it down into a gold bar and then brings that back to town and then, you know, splits that up into smaller pieces and makes jewelry with it. And so all you're buying is energy. And even when you have something tangible, a tangible source of value, like gold or like oil, you're not buying that you're buying the, the, the right to transport that. Right. Um, and you're, you're, you're paying for the energy that it took to bring that to you. And then when you're selling that at a premium, right. When you, because when you, when you're a business, you're going to mark something up and you're going to sell it for more than what you had it for. Now you're, that person is buying your energy. Yes. Right. And so we have been taught to exchange a lot of our energy for a little bit of paper energy because it puts a roof over our head or it puts a nice car underneath us or it, it does this or it does that. But until we can see it for what it is, which is just a gift card for somebody else's energy, we really can't put a fair value on it. Yeah, it's essentially monopoly money. That's the real value, intrinsic value it has. Right. Now you look on the deeper level, like you're saying, from an energetic standpoint, that's where the real cost is that's what and how many really people win paying. when you play monopoly what's that how many people win when you play monopoly yeah just one one just, right you can yep. live for a long time and you can be really successful but the one person is going to end up with all the monopoly money and that's the same thing that's happening right now we can be really successful but all of that money is going to end up back in that one percent of the one percent of the one percent right and, and that that's what gets me to one of the things i've been really get going on lately is is in reality it boils down to you're either in the materialistic world or you're in the spiritual world right you can't and be in both you can't be in both no there's uh, no in between there's no that's now we're back to you can't be stagnant you're yes. in one or the other in my opinion you can't be religious and spiritual you're one or the other you can't be good and bad you're you're good or bad you can't be love and angry you know, yes. you, you're, you're in one camp or you're in the other. Um, and when you're living in the material world, you are inherently living by a model of scarcity. 
right? You are, you're trying to take this energy and you're stopping the flow of energy and trying to hold on to this energy and make sure that nobody else gets it. Right. And the problem with the model of scarcity or the problem with creating value through scarcity is that for you to gain, someone else has to not have. Yes. Right. What creates value is the fact that there's not enough to go around. Right. And so if there's not enough for everybody to have some, people are going to pay more for that so that they can make sure they're one of the people that have some, right? Which means that in this model, for you to be successful, you are literally taking food from someone else's mouth. You are right? sacrificing someone else's well-being for your own. Right. And it's like third world countries. People think third world countries are poor. Third world countries have the most money of any countries in the world, right? It's just these people that hoard the resources and they don't allow the people who are doing all the work to benefit from it at all, right? I mean, look at Africa and the diamonds that come out of Africa or look at the Middle East and all the oil that comes out of the or the poppy that comes out of the Middle East. I mean, there's more money in Dubai than there is in half of the world. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's, you look at these rich sultans, you know, that you see right. and, and, and they have these elaborate palaces, but then you have major poverty of a majority of the population. Exactly. And yep. so when you are living in abundance, you are perpetuating the flow of this energy, right? As opposed to stopping the flow and you're making sure there, there, there is no reason that we can't experience abundance. And this is why old world tech scares them so bad. Yes. Right? And that's what I was going to say. You're, you're nailing what it seems like the old world was right. It was, it was abundance. the model of abundance. Exactly. And we've been taught this lie about dinosaur bones and like, there's only so many dinosaur bones. And once we're out of dinosaur bones, there's no more oil. Cause they don't want you to know that the oil is the lifeblood of the earth. And just like when we bleed, we produce more oil. The earth is going to produce more oil. or when, when we bleed, we produce more blood, the earth as it leaks. And as we take this, the earth is going to harvest and create more oil for us to, to, to use. Right. And that's not to say that we're not mean to the earth or that, that we shouldn't treat it better, but this whole model of scarcity of this, this, the whole fossil fuel hoax is to create a model of scarcity, whereas there's meant to be abundance. Limited resources, right? Exactly. And now it's like, well, we've got to have hydroelectric and we've got to have wind electric and we've got to have all this stuff because there's not enough power for everybody to light their houses or just like, there's not enough room for everybody. Yeah. To live on the planet. You know, this is all them using the model of scarcity. And, and it's, it's something like that is so powerful that they have they have taken something, they have taken abundance and they have turned it into scarcity and weaponized that scarcity. You know, yeah, and 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 we live, and that's basically what this realm is right now. We are in the inverse inverted realm where right. the way that humans should be living, we are in the exact opposite right now. And you know, for everyone else's, you know, well-being, I hope it crashes, you know, and, it has and we, to. we can get back to that natural way of living where, you know, there is no, you know, I, I don't call them elite. I call them Paris, the parasite class. Right. Elites don't just, have to hide from people. Yeah. They just feast off our energy and, right. and that old world, you know, between the buildings and, and the technology that they had, they've just hidden it and suppressed well, and- it the frequency healing they people live for a long time you know healer organs 
blew my mind. I mean, I'm not sure how deep you've gotten into that, but oh, the yeah. church organs where people would go and like, those were their hospitals. They didn't have medicine or pharmacology. One thing people fail to realize is the word pharma is dark magic. Yes. Right. It's in so, the Bible. So you can't, yeah. You can't have medicine. You can't be a, a practicing uh, medical doctor while you're prescribing pharmaceuticals right? There's either medicine or there's pharmaceuticals or pharmacology. You can't, these are polar opposites, right? You can't, you can't have both. You're either medicine is making someone better. Pharmacology is using deception to perpetuate sickness. Yes. Right. And they're not even really hiding that from you. The symbol for pharmacy is the caduceus, right? Which was the staff of Hermes, which is the phallus of the Baphomet, which are two things that we can get into that have also been demonized that are just are are, are not understood. We're told that the Baphomet is the same as Lucifer is the same as Satan. It's the same as the devil, even though these things are not, it's not all the same thing. These are all separate entities or separate beliefs. And there have been by modern religion crammed into one thing with crystals and with hermeticism and with manifestation and with everything else. And, and it's, it, that's all the devil. Yeah. And alchemy, know? right. There's an another alchemy. one that's a yeah. scapegoat for everything is, is or the word occult, you know, we're told oh. that the word occult is the same as a cult, yep. right. When the cult is the one is telling you <laughs> it's bad, you know? Um, and until you can, step outside of the stigma, right? And until you will allow these people to pass judgment on you and say, call me whatever you want. I'm going to be me unapologetically because I'm walking my path and that path shouldn't affect you. And if the way that I walk my path affects you, then you need to find a better path. Exactly. Right. And and that's, that's where I'm with it right now is just leave me alone. No, let me do my own thing and you can do whatever you want. Hey, you want to do that? Go for it. I just don't make me do what you want me to do. Cause that's, that's a not going to happen. That's a prison. Yes. When you don't get to determine what is the best for you, or you don't get to determine what you're going to do with your time that day, or you don't get to determine whether you come or go, that is prison. The fact that we're not locked in a, in a, in a, in a small cage does not mean that that's not a form of slavery, right? When we can't make decisions based on our system of beliefs or the information that we've gone out and acquired, when we're not able to determine what is best for us, then we're not free. Correct. Yeah. And this is why the whole sovereign thing became so important to me is I, like you said, I just want to be left alone. That's it. I just want to be able to do, I want to be able to express myself however I feel like it. Right. And as long as that is not harming another human, then I should have the right to do that. Right. I don't think people should be able to go around and hurt each other. If, if, but two consenting adults should be able to do whatever they want to do, as long as that's not hurting somebody else. And one consenting adult should be able to do whatever he wants to do. And if that is going to hurt him, then that's on him. And he needs to learn that lesson because maybe there's something in that pain that they need to, that they need to come to terms with or, or, or a lesson that they need to learn so that they can grow from that. But if we can't go out and we can't make mistakes and we can't fail, right. Then how do we grow? That's, that's the key. Right. And I tell my son, this this is one of the biggest things I tell my son is listen, man, I want you to fail. I want you to fail at things because that's going to make you better. You're going to realize, Oh, I can't just do this you know, just go out there and it's going to come easy to me. I'm going to have to work at it. I'm going to have to come up with a plan of attack as to how do I approach this to be better at it? Well, and what is failure? 
right? Because if you ask me, the only true form of failure is to stop trying, right? The only way to truly be defeated is to quit, right? As long, it doesn't matter how many times you screw up. It doesn't matter how many times you fall down. If you get back up and you keep walking that path, you have not failed, right? Like, let me screw up. Let me find everything that doesn't work, right? Let me discover everything that, that doesn't get me what I want. And let that be the way that I discover what I do want, because someone telling me this is the way to do it. This is the only way that it's going to work. This is what you want is not helping me. Not as an individual. No, No. but it's helping the system because that's exactly what they want, right? They want that factory line. Everybody's going to get the same education. You're going to get the same opportunities. Everything's the same for everybody, but yet I'm an individual. I want to, I want to find out what my path is, not what, you know, you want my path to be. And that's, that's tough these days, especially with the way the schools are and the way everything is to raise a kid nowadays, to try to get them to think outside that box and realize that, Hey, you're going to learn things at school, but that's not everything. Right. There is more to this. And, you know, my son is eight and he's already talking about college. And I'm like, well, buddy, we'll get there when we get there, because right. you, may, you may determine you want to do a trade or something when we get to that point. And, you know, there's it's not the only path to succeed. Whereas when right. I was, you know, in high school, the only way you were going anywhere in life, you had to go to college. If not, times oh, you're a loser, you're this, you're that. And what did I do? I wasted five years and a couple hundred grand for a piece of paper that I don't even yep. use anymore. Yep. You well, know, see, but, but they got what they needed out of me. I, I, they I sure did. I, I gave that all piece. that debt and all that, all that energy to their system. And you fed and the machine. Yeah. They, I fed it. I woke up early, man. I wrote my, my freshman thesis on high school as a manufacturing facility. Right. That's brilliant. You nailed and, it all these raw materials that come in and they are going to bend you and they're going to shape you and they're going to hammer on you and create one product. Right. And if you don't bend and hammer and shape into that one product, you're going to end up in the reject pile. Yep. Right. And what does that reject pile mean? That means depression, or that means prison, or that means gang activity, or that means pharmaceuticals, or that means you're going to, they're going to benefit off of you one way or the other, right? You're either going to fit into this mold and you're going to be quote unquote, a functional member of society, or they're going to eat you another way. But my, my whole, the whole point of this thing was that like, you take all these people that are supposed to be different. Right. Because that's what makes the human animal so special is that we all have the ability to be different. We all think different. We all see things different. We all react to things different. Right. And they try to beat that out of us and get it to where we don't think for ourselves. We just regurgitate information. And that's the thing about college is you have all these people that go and this is not every college student. We got a lot of people that go and they, well, they're educated now. So they're smarter than you. And really all they know how to do is regurgitate information that they read from a book. Right. That's it. And who, who wrote the book? Yep. Right. The same guy who's putting the stuff in your food. That's, you know, uh, telling you that we're running out of oil and that there's not enough room for everybody. That's who wrote that book. Well, and that's why I laugh at all these people that say, you know, blindly trust your doctors because obviously they know what they're doing. And I, I, you know, I personally went through the medical system and, and the, the only way I was, I am not even cured, but the only way I got healed was getting out of it. Because right. my doctor, you know, I, I, I had uh, autoimmune issues Me too. and not once did he ever bring up diet. 
He never brought up exercise. He never brought up any of the the root factors that would be causing it. It was all, okay, well, your tests show this. So we need to prescribe you this. Right. For me, it was my blood type. I have okay. O negative. I'm RH negative. And so I have totally different needs as far as protein intake, as far as iron intake, copper intake, right? And RH negative people are super prone to autoimmune issues, right? I have allergies. I have asthma. I have rheumatoid arthritis. I got all this stuff that they tried to shove things down my throat for, for years until I realized that like the healthiest I've ever been is when I stopped taking all of it, right? Stop taking everything, right? I realized that the human body is a symbiotic organism, right? And the best thing that we can do for our body is try to keep it in this homeostasis, right? This, and which is manage the pH, right? Uh, stop putting garbage into it, you know, uh, yeah, being in water. an alkaline state, right? Exactly. Because yep. cancer virus, none of this stuff can thrive in an alkaline body, right? That all can only exist in an acidic state, yep. which is why, and one of the two things that you can eat that are the most acidic is meat and dairy, right? And you need meat to be strong and dairy is what gives you strong bones, right? Yep. They're the, the bottom of this food pyramid that's been created. And the standard American diet is absolutely terrible for you. I mean, it's, well, it's called the sad diet for a reason. Exactly. You know? Yeah. You know, and it, it's the word doctor, for example, right? Like why is a doctor called a doctor? Well, when it comes down to birthing terms, right? All of it's nautical, right? So a human vessel is birthed into a sea. And now we're back to this sea of this plane, right? And where do you birth a vessel? At a dock, Dock. right? And so all these maritime terms are very deliberate. And this is where you start to get into the whole second constitution and what the birth certificate really is and all this stuff. And I don't know how far down that you've got, but all of this is, we are born into literal slavery, right? And all of these documents are used to perpetuate that slavery. And we have two names and we're convinced that those two names do the same thing. And um, it's this whole system is engineered to hold us down and keep us sick and keep feeding this, this very small group of people that don't care about us. Right. And it's crazy how far people will go to defend this small group of people when you try to illuminate this truth to them and the excuses that these people will make for this small group of people. And, oh, it's, it's for the good of the collective, or it's, it's, you know, you're supposed to sacrifice yourself for the good of the many, but it's like the good of the, who is the many, right? Like, who am I sacrificing my health and my freedom and my sovereignty for, right? Because the person next to me, the many that I have access to, the people that I go out and I see when I go to the store, they don't seem to be benefiting from me sacrificing my freedoms, right? Yeah, and, and the people that are asking you to sacrifice obviously don't have your best intentions in mind. You know, right. they're, they're looking for benefit on their end. The only That's not what you do for someone you care about. Yeah. And so people need to, it shouldn't, have to go any further than there. Right. And now we're back to things like crystals and like alchemy and like ways to improve your life. And why are you told that that's not acceptable? Right. If this person cares about you and you can carry a rock, right. That's just the simplest thing. You can put this rock in your pocket and keep it on your person. Right. And it will make your life better. Why are we told that that's evil? 
right? Why are we? No, 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 no. Don't carry that rock. Take this pill, right? And go to this class or go talk to this person or eat this or why? I don't understand. And it's, it's, I was one of those people for a long time. It's like, no, that's bad, dude. I don't, I don't want anything to do with those crystals. I don't want anything to do with that. That's not what I believe. You know, that's outside of my comfort zone. I don't want to touch it. And it's like it, I really have to wonder how they did such a good job, whether it was my parents or whether it was, I wasn't really a big church guy. Um, I think my peers had a lot to do with it because that stuff isn't accepted in your social groups at school. You know, the guy that has the crystals is the weirdo, you know, you're the weird crystal hippie, especially as a kid, right. In high school age, that's, that's where you get labeled. And then, then you go to college and everybody wants to hang out with the crystal guy. Right. Because he's got all the good bud, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, and I was going to say, you know, it's, you were, uh, you're, you're this or you're that or you're, and just like what they did with the term conspiracy theorist after JFK, you know, they tied those people to the Bigfoot people, to the alien people, uh, to all these and said, well, if you don't believe what the, the handed down narrative with JFK, then you believe in aliens and you think that Bigfoot lives in your backyard and you all these other things. They took all of these little boxes and tied them together and made one big box that you didn't want to be in. Right. So well, people like, just accepted like, the narrative. Yeah. It's like just a couple of weeks ago when the, the Department of Homeland Security said, if you question the COVID narr- narrative, all of a sudden you're a domestic terrorist. Oh, well, and I live in Oregon. OK. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so Miss Brown decided to make terrorists out of all of us because now anti-government rhetoric. Yes. Right. Anything that is anti-government, whether it's disagreement. Right. If you disagree with whatever Kate Brown says now, you're a terrorist. Yep. Right. And a lot of people quit talking. A lot of people just said, well, we probably shouldn't talk about that anymore because everybody knows that these cell phones are uh, somebody is listening and someone knows all your emails. And, and, and you know, and so, well, we just shouldn't talk about it anymore. Let's just let's just forget about it. You know, and, I, and that's exactly what they want. Right. I don't know. How, I don't know how to comply. Right. I, I just it's not even a matter of being afraid of offering my consent anymore. It's that I don't know how. I don't know how to be somebody that I'm not anymore. I have found this sense of self-love and this value inside myself that I never had before um, that I used to look for in acceptance, right? Acceptance from my girlfriend or acceptance from the people at work or acceptance from my family, right? None of whose acceptance I have now with anything that I talk about because everyone thinks I'm crazy, which is how the whole Mad Hatter thing started. It's like, I might as well just own it right? I might as well just dive in head first and be that guy um, because that's who I am. And I like me, right? I, yep. As soon as I sat down and I did a little bit of soul searching and tried to figure out who I am, I realized I kind of like me, you know? And before this guy that I didn't like, I only didn't like him because he wasn't, he didn't fit into all these boxes that I thought he was supposed to fit into, you know, yeah. and then I realized I have no desire to win these people's the, the all these people that I spent my whole life trying to impress or fit in with. I don't even like most of them. Right. Like, I don't even get along with them. So what am I doing? That's it. And 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 how hard is it to not like yourself? You know, oh, it's living rough. that. I, I mean, I lived that for 40 years of my life. It wasn't until the last couple of years that I finally started actually loving myself. And because exactly what you said, I needed everyone else's uh, acceptance. And I had to fit into what, what, you know, they, they do a great job in this country of programming you 
to thinking that, you know, oh, this is how, you know, you, you go to high school, you go to college, you, you get a, a house, you have a kid, you, you get married, you know, the whole deal. And, and, and that's happiness. Yep. And then all of a sudden you go, oh shit, I was sold a bunch of bullshit. That's and not how it is. I, I should be able to do what I want at my time when I'm ready. And, exactly. and in, instead they put all these pressures on you that at certain dates, if you don't have certain things in your life, you're a failure in their eyes. Well, and how many people realize, get old? Yeah. And God did realize, it wrong. Who are they? Yeah. Who, who, who sets these rules? And, and what if I go against them and I'm happy? Doesn't Spent that matter my whole life? Than, yeah. You know, trying to make somebody happy that doesn't care about me. And know? doesn't have to live with me on a daily basis. Right. right. I mean, right. I have to live with me. And if, if, if I'm just going to succumb to what you want me to be, I'm not being my true self. You're and, not and living. That was one of the things that was the, the hardest pill to swallow was realizing that, you know, a lot of the shit you do, you don't do it for yourself. You do it to please other people. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's not, that's not living. Now we're talking about the difference between survival and thriving, right? I don't want to survive. I can go to the woods, right? With a tarp and a knife and I can survive, right? If all I wanted to do was survive, that's where I would be, right? I'm here to thrive and to grow and to experience this, right? And to experience this to the fullest. And you, people can turn that into um, whatever they want to. But the thing is, like, I am here to test myself, right? And I am here to figure out what I can accomplish. And I have learned over the last couple of years, like three years ago, I was drinking a half gallon a day, Damn. right? I, wow. On October 2nd, I have three years. Um, hey, good for you, man. Congrats. Appreciate that. If I didn't have a drink by nine or 10 o'clock in the morning, I was sick. I was the guy that went to work every day with airplane bottles in my pocket. Um, I was a mess, man. And but I was surviving, right? At the end of every day, it was like, well, you made it through another day. Good job. Now you can get hammered. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm here to walk towards the things that I'm afraid of, because I genuinely believe that everything that you seek is just on the other side of everything that you fear, right? Everything. And these irrational fears that we have are keys, right? So, uh, whether it's related to a past life or whether it's related to something that you have to do in this life. I I believe that every single one of those things, just like every word in our language is, is deliberate. I think that everything, every form, every sense of fear that we feel has something on the other side of it that we need. Right. And once we can conquer that fear um, it's a tool now, right. We can, we can, we can transmute that fear, that negativity into gold that, can help improve the quality of our life or help us in, in, improve the quality of other people's lives. Right. I had this fear of speaking, right. I had all this stuff to say, but I, I didn't think anybody wanted to listen to me. Right. And so I would get hammered. Right. And I, I just go off on these tangents, right. Because that fear would go, I could drink that fear away. And people would be like, dude, you have stuff that you need to say that like people need to hear. And I, I couldn't bring myself to do it. Right. And even, a year ago, I would study this stuff and I would go in and I'd go to my buddy's house and just dump gnosis. Right. And he'd just be like, <laughs> man, like, where did that come from? I had no idea you knew any of that stuff. 
you know? And I found out that I have this crazy ability to just download information, whether it's from books or whether it's, I, I can take in just an obscene amount of information. And like people think that I must have been into crystals for just my whole life, man. I found this stuff like 18 months ago. Really? You know? That's it? That's it. I, I, I met this girl. She was into crystals. I thought she was kind of weird. Um, she gave me one and I never saw her again. And really? wow. it was, I really believe that she came into my life to deliver this stone, you know? Um, and I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you when she, after she, I didn't even know she gave me this thing. She just put it in my backpack when I was leaving her house and the connection was just gone. We wanted nothing to do with each other. And um, I was upset and I was hurt and I was all these things. And that was actually the last kind of relationship or whatever that I was in. Um, because this started this whole self-discovery thing that I've been walking since then. And within shoot eight months of me finding my first crystal and going to the crystal shop and just getting drug around and experiencing all these different vibrations and realizing that I was, um, I was in tune with this side of reality that I didn't know existed before that. Right. And I could feel things and I could hear things And it. There's a lot of things that happened when I was a kid that I didn't understand. Uh, I started drinking when I was 12 because I started, well, there was a lot of abuse that went on, but I also started experiencing things and hearing things and seeing things that I didn't understand. Right. And every time I tried to talk to anybody about it, I was told I was crazy and I needed to take this pill or I had this, or I had that. And so like my whole life, my, what defined my childhood was mixing my parents' drinks, right? And sneaking drinks while I was mixing my parents' drinks and hiding whatever prescriptions they were telling me I was supposed to be taking in my drawer and then trading them at school for weed or for oxy or for whatever it was, you know? But I, I, I didn't like the way any of this stuff made me feel. I just wanted to understand what was going on. Yep. And the best way for me to just numb it all was with alcohol. And that was a habit that I carried for 17 years. And then I got sober and then I was really codependent right? I didn't know who I was. And so I tried to find happiness and security and all these other places and ended up in all these terrible relationships, which is kind of probably what was starting um, when this, this girl gave me this rock. And then thank God, we just ended up never speaking again, but it opened this door for me. And I realized like, Hey, I can, I can feel something when I hold this. And then I went to the crystal shop and I realized that there was just this, I just kind of listened to myself. Um, and I just got drug all the way around the shop and I was drawn to all these things. And I just bought all this different stuff. And then I came, I wrote down what it was, you know, I saved my receipts and I'd go home and then I'd research it and figure out what this was. And what was crazy is I realized I was actually kind of good at this and that this stone that I had taken was uh, its properties were related to this, whether it was self-love or releasing things that didn't serve me or grounding or whatever, right? These properties were things that I really needed in my life right now. And so I was drawn, my higher self was drawn to these things that it understood that it needed. And so a lot of that was just starting to learn to listen, right? And within eight months or 10 months of me buying my first crystals, I was writing blogs for a crystal company. Wow. Right. So you, didn't, and, you didn't even go in there with the idea that, hey, I'm looking for this, this, and this type of stone. You just nope. went in there and felt the vibe and yep. went off the frequency of the shop and the stones. Exactly. My grandpa took me to this place. He was kind of a rock hound. And so there was this place 
called Ed's House of Gems. And it was just the only crystal shop that I knew of. And this is before I discovered like the metaphysical side of crystals or anything. I just knew that there were rocks in this place. Right. And I knew that rocks were all of a sudden really cool to me. And I went in there and these guys have zero metaphysical knowledge. So they could tell me what these rocks were, but they couldn't tell me what the properties were or anything like that, or what, what this crystal did or what this crystal did. They could tell me the, you know, the geological compound of the stone or whatever, or what the, the hardness scale of this or where this, the hardness of this rock was on the Mohs scale or whatever, but they couldn't tell me what it was going to do for me or what I was going to feel like when I put it in my pocket. So they had none of the occult knowledge of the stone. Zero, zero. And so I went in there and I found all this stuff, but they wrote down the, you know, on my receipts, I would always keep my receipts and then I'd go home and I'd research. Okay. Well this, I bought amethyst. So what, what does amethyst do? Or, Oh, this is bloodstone. So what does this do? And then I'm like, okay, okay. So this is uh, maybe I'm onto something here. Right. And then I discovered the metaphysical stores and I went in there and that was just, my mind was blown, man, because you go into the metaphysical shop and it's like, this is golden calcite and golden calcite is related to blah, 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 blah. And it'll give you the whole description and what it is. And so I can go in there and get, I would just go in there and get lost. Right. (laughs) And it, it got to the point where it was almost overwhelming. And so I would go in there and it would be like, I would just let myself get drug around because ultimately every one of those properties are, are, are good thing, right? Like we could, we could benefit from working with almost any crystal, right? But that doesn't mean that it's the crystal that we should be working with right now. And so this led me to understanding the chakra system and how that works. And I, I try to use that as a, uh, a template for people who are just getting into it as far as um, the, the chakras can help you determine areas in your life where you could really use some help or use some improvement. And there are certain crystals that are associated with certain chakras. Um, but that's just one way to approach it. And I, I think that before anybody does anything too technical, it's important to just see what you're drawn to, right? And see, and it's funny because when Nico and I were having this conversation, he's like, dude, it's crazy. Those are the stones that I've been working with. And like, that's what I, you know, and so he found out he's really good at this too. And I think most people that, that go out there and just dive in and listen to themselves and just grab the things that they're drawn to. They're going to find out that those are actually things that are going to apply to whatever is going on in their life. All about Um, intention, right? Like we talked about earlier. Yeah. If you're going out there looking for something to help your life, you're more likely to find it. If you're going at looking for a specific thing, you're limiting, you're putting yourself in a box. We need to try and stay out of our brains, man. People don't understand. And this is why fluoride and the whole fluoride thing is so important. Like the human brain is not capable of forming a thought. Okay. The human brain is an amplifier of thought. It's an antenna, right? And so how we facilitate that amplification of thought is through the pineal gland, right? And what happens when you drink fluoride? It calcifies the pineal gland. So now how does our higher self communicate with this reality, right? If its antenna is, is calcified and crystallized. So yeah, it's like, it's like having, it's like for, for people that don't understand this, it's like trying to drive with your front windshield iced over. Right. Right. You are, you are flying blind. You're just feeling it out here. Or trying to drive from the back seat, right. Where you can't reach the pedals and the windows iced over. Yep. You know, it's, it's near impossible. And at that point, if you are not in connection with your higher self, then, then what are you? at that point, right? Because this vessel, this human body is not us. This is just the vehicle that we drive to exist here in this 
dimension or on this plane or whatever you want to call this place. I don't like to call it a planet, but it, this is a physical, this is a physical experience. And so we need a physical body to take part in this physical experience, but who we are is much more than this physical body. This is just the car that we drive on the freeway of life, right? You're not going to walk down the left hand on the, on the fast lane of the freeway. You're going to get into a vehicle so you could do 70 miles an hour, right? This is just the, 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 the vehicle that we use. And so when we are operating in the brain, you can't be in the brain and the mind at the same time. The mind is, is you, it's your consciousness. It's the, the spirit, right? And when we try to process things and, and we've all said stuff, before where, and when I speak, I just try to just, I talked about it earlier, just turn the valve and let whatever's going to come out, come out. Because the more I think about things, the more I humanize these things. And some of this stuff is bigger than me or my brain or, um, the, the more we try to perfect things and hone things, uh, typically, the less great they are, people can experience this with their writing. Like when you sit down and you just let that pen fly, you know, and you go back and you read it afterwards and you're like, man, I guess I can write, you know, but when you sit there and you're trying to force yourself to write something or you're trying to force something to come out of you, it's not going to be the same as it is if you could just let something flow. And so this is you operating from a, from, from the mind, instead of from the brain. And I try to encourage people when they're looking at crystals and stuff, stop thinking about it so much, man. Like if you see something and it looks good and when you put it in your hand, if it feels good, that means something. Right. And if you think about this and like, well, what does this do? Or what am I trying to do? Or, you know, and the, the, the more that you take that and you try to process that, the less real or raw it's going to be. And, and yeah, it's, and, it's unnatural, right? Exactly. And, and that's one of the things that I'm getting from this, the, the whole uh, uh, crystal is that it's so individual and the, the stones will speak to you. If you're willing to listen, if you go in there with an agenda, again, you're limiting the possibilities because you're right. thinking, you know what the right answer is when in reality, they may tell you the right answer themselves. You don't, you don't have to know. You just have exactly. to go feel. Or amethyst worked for Charlie. So I want to go find me some amethyst. Yeah. Oh, you know? I hear that all the time. Or you get these people that say, okay, you have to start with these three stones. Right. And I'm like, yeah. okay, I, I, I cancel you right away because people try how, to why would I rules. have the same stones as you or someone exactly. else? Yeah, exactly. Or it's like telling everybody that, um, you, you, as soon as someone is trying to put rules on you like that, and that is why, again, like if, if I'm going to try to help you reach a conclusion, I'm not going to hand you my conclusion. I'm going to ask you questions, right? And I'm going to let you come to your own conclusion and your own truth based on how you're going to answer these questions, right? And when it comes to crystals, people always ask me, well, what crystals should I buy, man? Like what? And that's, that is the standard question, Right is well, you know what 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 crystal should I start with? And I understand why people ask that question. I understand that because I am into crystals and you're not. So you're going to ask me what I think you should go buy. But for me to answer that question is to rob you of your experience. Yeah, and right? I got that from listening to you and Nico talk about it because I, I was the same way. I started listening to it. I'm like, okay, this is cool. Maybe he's going to tell me which ones I should start with. And then Nico went into, nah, man, I just walked into the shop and it, I, I kind of picked up, I liked the way these three felt and I walked out and I was like, okay, this is, and then I researched it and wow, that's exactly what I needed. Yeah. 
Yeah. And some people think I'm being difficult. Like I'm trying to be like mysterious or something. And it's not that at all. I just, I want you to dictate your experience. And I don't know. I mean, even the people that I know really, really well, I don't know where they're at in their life as far as self-development or as far as self-acceptance or self-love or the way that they feel towards other people or whether their throat chakra is clogged or not. You know, like I don't, I don't understand what's happening with you energetically. I can stand next to you and I can get a really good idea of your intention. Right. And I will be able to just, just from being in your space, I can pick that up. A lot of times I can know what direction a conversation is going to go in. Right. I don't spend time trying to know what people are going to say or hear people's thoughts, because I think that that is a violation of people's privacy. And I think that there is a lot of consent involved there that a lot of people won't ask for. And um, even when people ask me to try to do personal stuff to them, I'm always going to make sure that they understand what I'm going to do and how I'm going to do it and, and, and get actual consent, right? Because that's something that is so lost on so many people now. And there are so many people out there that think it's okay to go poking around in people's heads, right? Or planting seeds in people's thoughts or which is all doable, which is what happens when you watch the TV or it's what happens when all this subliminal messaging and stuff, you can do that too. And I can do that too. And everybody who has an understanding of your attention and of your intention and of the human psyche, right? Because a lot of it is just advanced psychology. Oh, big time. I mean, that's what we're in right now. We are in a great psychological warfare. Exactly. And no one is asking for anyone's consent. Nope. Right. It's just, and that is, but here's the part that people don't understand. Now we're back to your compliance is consent, right? So these people, part of cosmic law is that if they don't want to be affected, if they don't want their karma to be affected, they have to tell you what they're going to do to you before they do it to you. Okay. They do that in a lot of ways. They do it through movies. They do it through the news cycle. They do it through, um, songs right and and stuff that's predicted predicted and projected in music right and they're going to tell you what's going to happen to you and they're going to give you an opportunity to change that right and if you don't change that then you have given your consent right and that means that they have no negative karma from doing this to you so they are always they have to give you an out And they will give you an out. There is always an out to every aspect of this game or this experience or whatever you want to call it. There's always an out. You just have to be able to identify the the trigger or whatever it is that they're trying to do to you and not give it your consent. And a lot of times that consent is your attention or your compliance. And if you don't give it one of those two things, then it can affect you. It can. This is cosmic law. Right. You have free will. And that's a huge thing these days because people don't realize what's being done to them. And and by not understanding and not knowing you are complying. And 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 that's one of the things I'm trying to stress on, on this podcast is to people is to bring up these things so that they can start seeing it, because once you see it, you can't unsee it. Once- well, they'll do it with everything. With yeah. ev- everything. And what, one of the most important principles in hermeticism is the principle of polarity. Okay. They're going to polarize everything. 
everything, right? They're going to put you in one of two camps and they're going to pit one camp against the other camp, right? And this is my problem with politics. I got sucked into this super bad a uh, year and a half, two years ago. Super bad. I got sucked into it. I'm in the same right? boat as you, man. <laughs> and people don't understand that the left wing and the right wing are on the same bird. Yep. Right. They're two wings of the same bird. And all that they are going to do is, and it will, if, if we, if it was about choice, right. First of all, free people don't vote. They elect, right. This is, we're back to important words. Okay. Free people don't vote, but why is there not three parties or five parties or seven parties or 12 parties or any number other than two? It's because the, the principle of polarity only works in twos. They create a left and a right and they pit the right against the left and they pit the left against the right. And nobody's blaming the bird, right? Nobody's blaming the head of the bird. The left wing of the bird is blaming the right wing of the bird and the right wing of the bird is blaming the left wing of the bird. And there's no, there's no accountability because it's always someone else's fault. It's always on the other side, right? And nobody is paying attention to the head of the bird. That's the one that's dictating the whole experience. This yep. is and the that principle and that of polarity. pendulum just swings back and forth constantly. Exactly. Blame the left, then they get enough of it. Now it's time to blame the right. And then it just, and it's never ending. And like you said, no one ever identifies the head or the body that is guiding those wings. Right. And if, if those wings are all going in the same direction, right? Exactly. And whether it's religion or whether it's politics or whether it's education or whether it's medicine, right? If you are waiting on someone to save you, then you're lost. Trust the plan. You know, and that's, we all get, we all, we all learned a tough lesson there. Um, You know, and it's like, if you think that this next master that's going to step in or this next medicine that's going to come out or this next, uh, stage of your education is going to change your existence for you, then you're doomed to repeat this same cycle over and over and over again, right? We have to, and this is where alchemy comes in. And this is why this hermeticism was so huge for me. And this is why the self is so important is I want a different reality, right? So I need to create said reality, Okay. How can I go about doing this? Now I start investigating all these different things, but me waiting for Joe blow over here to come and save me means that I can't have what I want because Joe blow doesn't know who I am or what I want or what's important to me. Right? So how can Joe blow give me what I need to feel fulfilled in this experience? And you've right. sacrificed everything because you've given him all of your energy, handed it to him to say, here, save me. And now exactly. you are powerless. Exactly. And now you don't have energy to transmute anything in your life because you've given it all to this guy, hoping that he's going to do for you what isn't even doable. Yep. Right. You're, you're waiting on this, this imaginary person to create this imaginary existence right? With this imaginary set of wants or needs, like does, does this guy that you're giving all of your energy to, has he ever reached out personally and said, Hey, like, what do you think? What, what can I do to make your reality better? You know, you're, you're, you're picking all of this is based on lesser evil. Yep. Right. 
And it's, well, this is worse than this. And, 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 and so we're settling, right? And at what point have you ever gone out and like gone in a race and you're like, well, I really hope to get fourth place today. Yeah. You know, when, and this is middle-class America and this is not me talking badly upon anyone, but middle-class America is this giant, it's, it's just settling. It's, it's just debt settling. slavery, essentially. It, exactly. Easy. Yeah. You're going to go out and you're going to work, uh, uh, get really qualified to get a really good job, to get a really big house and a really nice car. And you're going to struggle for your whole life. Right. Because it doesn't matter how much money you make. You're going to you, you start making more money. You're going to get a bigger house. Yep. You start making more money. You're going to get another car or you're going to get a boat. Right. Or you're going to get a, a, a vacation house, but you're still going to live on this budget. You're going to struggle and you're going to wonder for your whole life. What's going to happen if I can't work or what's going to happen if I can't get this paycheck. Right. And now we're back to survival instead of thriving. Yep. Right. And so I would encourage everyone. Hey, the, the root of my message is to stop settling. Right. Stop accepting the, um, part of what you want because it's not as terrible as what the alternative can be you know and this is what the government is so good at they're like well we're going to take all of your guns right and everybody gets up in arms about it and then they're like okay nope we're not going to take all your guns we're just going to take the ones that hold more than 10 bullets and everybody's like oh okay well that's not as bad as what i thought it was going to be and so we roll over right and it's this perpetual settle that we're engaged in and what the instinctive way to go about getting what you need is with anger or with blame, right. Or with model of scarcity, right. Creating value through scarcity. I'm going to be successful by creating this model, uh, by hoarding all of this or by being better than this guy or by taking food out of this guy's mouth. And because we think that's the only way we know how, to measure success is by having more than what people don't realize is that people with money don't talk about money. They don't talk about how much money they make. They don't talk about, you know, this is peasant stuff that we're engaged in. And it's like you said, we're debt slaves and we've convinced ourselves that this is okay with us because it's better than the alternative. Yep. Right. Yeah. And and one of the things you said about settling uh, uh, this little phrase that uh, has been in my head for like over the last year is you're not going to drink poison just because you're thirsty. Right. No. And, and, and there are people though, that will drink it just because it's something, you know, and they need something right now. They can't, they can't wait. They can't see beyond the immediate need that they have. And people who are stranded at sea, you know, they're going to drink the salt water or people that are stranded in the snow. Like you, you know, that that snow it's going to take you more energy to melt that than the hydration value that you're going to receive from it, but you're thirsty and it's something right. And we can't continue to live off of the scraps that are handed to us. Right. And step one to changing our reality is a understanding what the constructs of this reality are B understanding the control that we have over said constructs of this reality. Right. And taking accountability for the 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 control that we have over the constructs of this reality and then implementing those three things and creating a new plan of action 
Yeah. Right. And, and believing that there is something better and being willing to try new things. Right. If we, if, if we're going to continue doing the same things over and over again and expecting different results, then we are, that's the definition of insanity. Yep. Right. And so if we're afraid to step outside of our comfort zone and try new things, if we're afraid to learn how to transmute things, if we're afraid to go out to the crystal store and get drug around a little bit. And, you know, I've never met one person that said my life was great until I started carrying rocks in my pocket. You know, it's funny you say that because the more everybody that I talk to is like, I never thought I would do it, but ever since I've done it, it's changed my life. Well, and it's, it's not just the crystals. That's the part that people fail to realize. It's not just the crystals. It's the, the fact that someone is willing to step outside of their comfort zone and try something new and be open to a new reality yep. is what it is. And it, it starts with a rock, right? And then it's like, okay, well, I was told this was bad my whole life and this isn't so bad. So what else is there, right? What else is on the other side of this, this word occult that I've been afraid of for my whole life? Maybe what is manifestation, Right. What, how can I create as I speak, right? How can I set intention? What do these affirmations mean, right? What is the power of, my, of me paying my attention to things? And what happens if I start putting that attention into better areas of my life? It's, it starts with the law of attraction, a, right? right? I start implementing things like right. that. Yep. It starts with a crystal, dude, and it turns into so much. And then you, when we're taught that another thing, crystals are feminine, right oh, yeah that's, that's for girls right yep. being in tune with your emotions is feminine right or or expressing your emotions or being vulnerable or or talking about things is feminine right well most of the men most of the manly men that i know are like in their 40s and they're like they've ruined their bodies from whatever they do they're angry all the time they just want to get off work so that they can drink their wives don't want anything to do with them right but they're married and they've got kids so they got no no alternative. And so it's like this. So what are we protecting with being manly men? Right. Like yep. what are we really solving or, or are we robbing ourselves of something? Well, yeah, essentially you're just living up to that expectation, right? You're fitting in that box Yeah, Who's box? because, and, and again, it gets back to the whole inversion thing, right? Yep. They, they, a man that's in touch with his feelings and that is spiritual is considered like, you know, you're labeled as feminine yeah, or early. weird or, you yeah. know, when in reality, you're probably stronger than some of those bodybuilders out there in the big scheme of things. People see me and I love my favorite thing is when I go look at work and people will hear, oh, this guy does great work. He did this or he did that. And they'll see the work that I do. Right. I come highly recommended and I'll, I'll talk to this person on the phone. I'm very well-spoken. I'm very knowledgeable about my craft. Right. Um, one of my favorite things about my job is I take, I take raw materials that are otherwise useless and I take an idea, right. That somebody has, and I turn that into something physical and tangible, right. Something that can improve someone's quality of life. And that's a very beautiful, very pure form of alchemy to me. And so, as I'm starting to transmute this person's idea, right. As they're telling me what they're hoping to accomplish with this project or whatever it is. And then it's okay. Next step is for me to come meet this person. Right. And the, the look, the look, yeah, it's, it's my favorite part. Right. So I knock on the door and they open the door and they see me. Right. And they look at me and they see the piercings and they see the long hair and they see, and then they see the crystals. And then they see the fact that like, I'm not really dressed up. Like I'm wearing a pair of vans. Sometimes I'll wear a polo depending on, but it's like, 
who is, wait, you're this guy, you're this guy. And then I have five minutes, right? I have five minutes to prove that I'm really not a dummy, right? That I really do know what I'm talking about and that I really can transmute this idea into a reality, right? And that's my favorite part because people love to put me in this box, right? And I thrive when I get put in these boxes, man. There's no box that I fit in. I promise you are never going to find a box. No one will ever (laughs) find a box that I fit in, right? And it's like, people go, oh, you're the girly man. And and then they find out that I did MMA for four years, you know? And it's like, and so I, you're a giant paradox, man. Yeah. There's, there's no <laughs> box that I fit in. I'm like the, the crystal hippie freaking. I tell people I'm like a, a Ronin druid freaking spiritual samurai. You know, there's no, there's no box. There's no, every stereotype in the world I'm going to shatter, you know, oh. and I absolutely love it. And it's, it's, I do that. Is it professional for me to show up with, seven pendants hanging off of the front of me and uh, all my crystal bracelets and my crystal rings and a pair of vans, right. With long hair and a beard. Is it professional? Maybe not. Right. But that person is going to learn something by the time I leave their house. Right. And I'm going to learn something too from that person about that person. And I'm going to take growth from that too. Right. So it's this. Now we're back to the Hatter, man. Like I just, taking people out of their comfort zone, right? It's good to be a little bit uncomfortable every once in a while. And that's where I come in, man. That's, that's you who gotta, I am. You gotta get rid of the preconceived notions. That's, exactly. the, you know, the one thing that I'm uh, in this journey that I'm learning more and more is they want everybody in a box. And if you don't fit in that box, you are a freak or a weirdo or right. when in reality, those who are outside the box are the freest of everybody. And they're how many crystal hippies do you know that are unhappy? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And how that's... many people do you know with long hair that just do whatever they want to do who are unhappy? Yep. Right? I never met one. Nope. I've never met one. I'm with you, man. I am I am so with you on that because that's that's one of those things that I've I, I just don't understand it. You know, I don't understand how we got to, and it goes back to the sixties, right. With the whole right. hippie the nuclear family and labeling yeah. people and you're, you know, you're either a square or you're a hippie and, and, and again, it's putting people in boxes. And, and, and what I love is people like you that shatter the boxes because That's all I know how to do, you No, know, like I, I, admittedly so I was one of those people who used to I would judge people on appearance that was the first way you know my first way to to judge somebody now it's probably one of the last like well, I'll I'm get an energy close guy. to somebody yep and see what kind of energy they give mm-hmm. off before I'm gonna go judge them you know and and it's actually turned the opposite because guys like you that have the long hair and the tattoos and the crystal. I'm attracted to those people now to be like, what's your story, man? I, I want to talk to you. Like, I want right. to know what's going Cause on. Cause we all got one. Yeah, exactly. You don't look like this. These are miles. You yeah. Know? It's your this, story. This is a story. Yeah. You know? It's your story. And that's what I, you know, and that's what, what I find great about this conversation is you're letting people understand it's your story. You are the author and you are the only one that is responsible for it. And if you decide to blame anyone else, you're an idiot because you're ruining That's your on own you. story. Yeah. You know, and if you're if you're letting somebody dictate your story, then it's not your story. Yep. It's not yours. 
Exactly. Right. And if you're afraid of judgment or if you're afraid of being categorized or you're afraid of being put in a box, then you're living in that's fear. Right. And you can't operate in a vibration of fear and love at the same time. It's one or the other. Yep. Right. And if we can't operate in a vibration of, and that's what, that's what the, the, the Christ consciousness that everybody says that they seek is right. is just love. It's just a vibration of unconditional love and, and love of self and love of everyone that you encounter and love of this place. Right. And just letting that love vibrate, even when somebody hates what's coming out of my mouth. Right. And I love it when I'm at the store and somebody wants to educate me on how I'm the reason that all of this is going on. And it's like, okay, so now we're going to have to talk about viral pathology. This is great. Like, let's sit down for a second, you know? And even when somebody is screaming at me, I'm vibrating this love onto them. Right. And when people, when people are pointing at me in the store, I'm going to smile at them. Right. I'm going to smile at them. I, I don't know if you saw on my story yesterday, but I'm walking through the store and this lady looks at her kid and goes, don't worry, honey, he's not going to hurt you. Right. <laughs> and, and this is how does a guy that's walking through the store smiling at everybody Granted, I'm the only one whose smile you can see in the store, but still, how does that guy turn into the guy that you have to say that to your child from or the guy that you're going to walk, you know, down the other aisle to avoid? Well, because they live in absolute fear. She is terrified, right? <laughs> she will not leave her house. She's probably drove to that store with the mask on yep. and didn't take it off until she got into her front door and she's just living. They're just terrified. And that's one of the things I, I talked about on, uh, on, uh, another podcast I did was that I feel bad for people right now because they are so scared, you know, and, and, and that they've been put in this state of, of, of such powerful fear. And for some of them, they'll never make it out. They are, they're, they're stuck there perpetually. That's it. They're, they're going to live in fear the rest of their lives because of this, but there's others where you see it. And just like you said, a smile, uh, 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 a hello, how you doing today? That can change everything for them. Well, and, and- or how many people do you see when you walk into the store and, and, and they'll look at you and they want to look at you with like disgust or anger, right? Because you're free and they're not right. Yep. And they realize that it's not, it's not about the, 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 the mask or the sickness. It's about freedom. But it's about they see someone who is sovereign and they see someone who is happy and someone who is confident and they don't have that. Right. And so that's what they're upset about. But when you see that person and you see them try to look at you with that disdain and then you see them again in five minutes on the other side of the store and they've pulled off the muzzle. Right. Best feeling in the world. man. They, it doesn't get better than that. It doesn't. And that's what I, that is. That is what I'm all about is I will be the human shield. Yeah. Right. I will take all of it. Everybody can scream at me. Everybody can yell at me. Everybody can call me the problem. And I will wear that badge. I will wear that badge with pride. It, it's funny right? you say that because I, I was in the store today and, and some, I don't know, a florist or something comes out in, in the grocery store and he goes, uh, you don't have a mask on. Do you need one? I said, no, I'm good. And he's like, right. you understand there's a mandate that you have to wear a mask. I said, yeah, I'm good. I understand. <laughs> I know what's going on. I'm good. And this guy walks by me came into the store with a mask on and he heard the conversation. He goes, you know, mandates aren't laws. And I said, yeah. I said, so why do you have it on? He goes, you're goddamn right. And he just whips it off, <laughs> yep. threw it in the trash. And I was yep. like, yeah, man. I'm like, listen, I'm like, that's all he's going to do. He's going to pester you to try to bring you down to his level. But in reality, he just wants you to be a prisoner too. And if you just tell him, no, I'm fine. Most 
I, I I'd say 80 to 90% of the interactions I've had where I just say, no, I'm good. I'm, I'm, I'm not. And I do it in a pleasant manner with a smile yeah. and with love. Just like, okay. And we just go our separate ways. Yep. Whereas initially when I would get confrontational with people, it always ended badly. That was the same way. I had to learn the same lesson. You can be yeah. polite and you can be direct and you can vibrate this love, but don't, don't try. Yes. You know, you can make it very clear that you're not going to budge and be respectful at the same time. Yeah. I, most of the time people don't even try anymore because I vibrate this sense, this air of confidence and of freedom that yep. they, they, they can tell. They can tell I'm not going to budge, right? I was in, I went into the auto parts store the other day and this guy had his nose down below the, the, the or his, his mask down below the nose and the employee's like, cause he was wearing glasses and he couldn't see. Yeah, and the guy's fog like, up. yeah, he's like the employee looks at me, or excuse me, he looks at him and he goes, um, sir, if you pull your mask up higher and your glasses down lower, they won't fog up. And the guy like is trying to fix it and make it so that he can see it. And he looks at me, right? And he, you could see him like, think about it. He thought about it for a second and then he just looked back at the other dude and the guy sees him look at me and not say anything. And then he's like, wait a second. And then he pulls his mask off, you know, and it's like you can be polite and smile, but you can also we're, we're back to this standards, right? That, that it's not going to happen. There is nothing that that person can say that is going to change you or change what you're doing or change <clears throat> what I'm going to do with my body. Because the right. worst that happens is I'm not shopping there today. Big right. deal. And I'll, I'll, I'll volunteer. Here's the thing. That's the only ammo they have is tell you you can't shop there. Yep. Right. That's it. And so if they're really going to push on you, just say, hey, I'd be more than happy to give somebody else my money. Yep. Right. And leave it there. And they're going to tell you, no, 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 no. Go get your stuff. Because you just took their only weapon off the table. It's yes. gone. It's gone. And it's just like when <clears throat> I have no shame whatsoever. Right. And so when you lie and you try to put on a front or you try to pretend like somebody you're somebody you're not people have all this ammo they have all this stuff they can use against you but if i go dude i was the biggest drunk right i was the biggest mess that anybody ever knows and guess what i'm i'm pretty in touch with my emotions but i'm still working on it yep. right and i still get upset sometimes right but i'm working on it and you take every bit of ammo off the table with your transparency nobody has anything on you right cuz none of us are perfect Right. And the people who pretend that they're the most perfect are the people that are, are the most flawed. Right. And, and the they're trying thick usually. Yeah, usually they're yeah. the most twisted people, too. And they're trying to pretend like they're perfect, because if somebody finds out that they're a little bit messed up, they might dig a little deeper and find out they're really messed up. Yep. Right. And so if you can just walk around and this is we're back to self-love. Right. If you can love yourself. Right. And I would argue that you don't have the ability to really love anyone outside of you until you can love yourself that that when you have no self-love but you love this person this is you trying to find self-love in this person like you love them because they love you right and so that's this indirect form of self-love that you're trying to acquire and you're trying to be the person that you think they love not you and yourself exactly which is who you don't even know when i quit drinking i had no clue who i was when i stopped and then it wasn't just drinking though right i stopped drinking and then i was in all these other terrible relationships and i let people treat me like garbage and it was like every time i shed this skin it was alcohol and then it was relationships and then it was judgment of others and every time i shed this skin i had no clue who i was and i was starting from scratch again 
right? Like I, I stopped trying to date people. And then I was like, wait, so what it's Saturday, what do I want to do today? Cause I was so used to like, what am I supposed to do? What does so-and-so want me to do with my Saturday? Like, I didn't even know what to do with myself. And then when I realized that I didn't care whether people judged me anymore, it was like, okay, now I don't, I don't know what to, I don't know what to do anymore. Right. Like what am I supposed to be doing right now? I had yeah. never operated in this I want vibration before or what I needed or how to take care of myself. And that was the most liberating thing in the world. And if maybe that's nothing, maybe I just want to do nothing for a day. Right. I never had that. And that's okay. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. See, that was my big thing too, was that I always had to be doing something or, you know, living up to somebody else's standard. And once you finally realize, man, you set the standard and it's yeah. on you. And if you don't want to do anything that day, that's your day to do nothing. It's so liberating. Yeah. It's so liberating. Oh man, Tarrant, this has been absolutely great conversation. We're definitely going to have to do this again, my man. Well, I, I really appreciative for the opportunity to be heard. I uh, kind of rough following Micah Dank, but Oh, please. Um, Come on. (laughs) Micah's got a whole different uh, audience there. This is, you know, that 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 is mind blowing in itself. And and it's it's great material. I I love what Micah does. But this right here is what actually helps people. I appreciate that. That's going to get people to understand a bigger concept. This can actually change people's lives. And what you're doing directly impacts people's lives. You know, you are, you are, like I said before, not to put pressure on you, but you're a legend, right? You're guiding people in the right direction. You are that key on the map that can point people if they, if they're willing, but they have to, you have to be willing. That's on the other side of it too, is if you're willing to make that commitment, there will be people out there like Tarrant that can help you along the way and you will attract them as if you put out that vibe. And that's one of the things I hope you get out of this is that if you can live in fear, your life is going to be not so good. But if you live in love and you reflect that love, you're going to attract love and it's going to be a beautiful thing, you know? Well, And and the truth isn't always good to hear. Correct. It's not. And the people that care about you are going to tell you the truth, even even though they know that it's not going to be good for you to hear. And those are the kind of people that you need to keep around or the people that will bring you outside of your comfort zone, because there's no growth in the cushy little box that you've built for yourself to live in, you know? Oh, absolutely. And so uh, that's one thing that I try to reiterate to people is that they're not always going to like what I have to say, but I will never lie to somebody. And that's the thing. That's, that's key because there's a difference between being wrong and lying. I'll be, I'll be the first one to admit when I'm wrong, but I'll be the, I'll also tell you, I wasn't lying when I was wrong. I was telling you what I believed. Now that may have been wrong, but I wasn't lying about it. And that's key. Well, and it's always got to get, will always come from a place with me. It's always going to come from a place of love. Like I'm never going to say anything to try to hurt somebody, right. Or to try and, or to try and bring somebody down yep. any, anything that I will ever say to anybody, even if it's something that's not fun to hear is to try to challenge you to try to uplift you because when we're pushed, when, when our backs against the wall, right. And we have to act, that's when we do our best work. Exactly. So where can we find you on social media? I know you're on Instagram. That's it. I'm on Instagram right now. That's where I live. Uh, I am Hatter Will Happen with an underscore between each word. Hatter underscore will underscore happen. Um, I have gotten an incredible amount of love. I've only had this page for like two months. 
Um, and it has just turned into this love hub, man. And I absolutely love it. That's beautiful. Um, so we got to get you above a thousand so we can get some longer videos. Exactly. We're at, we're at just over 900 right now. So um, really hoping by the end of the month, I can start um, really getting into it. I finally, I went out on a limb. I set up uh, tea with the Hatter is going to be my podcast. And I think that Instagram is going to be a great way for me to broadcast like one hour episodes on there. And so that's something I'm really looking forward to. I'm going to try to get that rolling within the next, hopefully by the time I can post hour long videos, I'll be able to drop, you know, hour long videos of that. Oh, that's so, beautiful. I can't wait for plan. that. That's going to be a great show, man. I'm really excited. And I, again, I want to iterate that I, I really appreciate the opportunity to be heard on your platform and, and uh, have these words land on some new ears. I hope that uh, I just, I really hope that people learn that, that they dictate every aspect of this experience, every aspect of it. Right. And um, if you want more than just create more, you know, we are, we are, creators that's 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 what we are we're co-creators you know and we we all co-create this experience together and our experiences overlap for sure right my experience will overlap with your experience but you can only dictate my experience in a way that i allow you to dictate my experience right your words can only affect me in the way that i allow them to affect me and so i would just encourage people to really take control of their reality and start, if it doesn't fit and it's not working, then stop giving it your energy and start feeding that energy to something that does serve you. That's, that's, that's a great spot to end it, man. You, you nailed it right there. So, Hey, do me a favor, go check out my man, Tarrant at, uh, at Hatter underscore will underscore happen on Instagram. And, uh, we'll put, we'll push out his, uh, podcast when it comes out and, and Taryn, thank you again for joining me, brother. I really appreciate it. This was a great conversation. Thanks again, man. Loved it. Cruelty and injustice, intolerance and oppression. And where once you had the freedom to object, to think and speak as you saw fit, you now have sensors and systems of surveillance coercing your conformity and suppressing your submission. We need cameras. How did this happen? Who's to blame? Well, certainly there are those who are more responsible than others, and they will be held accountable. But again, truth be told, if you're looking for the guilty, you need only look into a mirror. I know why you did it. I know you were afraid. Who wouldn't be? War, terror, disease. There were a myriad of problems which conspired to corrupt your reason and rob you of your common sense. Fear got the best of you, and in your panic you turned to the now High Chancellor Adam Sutler. He promised you order, he promised you peace, and all he demanded in return was your silent, obedient consent.